Good morning, listeners. You're oh, you're doing it, Chloe. <laughs> yeah, no, that's okay. Good morning. You're listening to Green Left Radio, brought to you by 3CR, 855 AM on your dial, and you're here with me, Chloe, and also Jacob. Good morning, Jacob. Good morning, Chloe, and good morning um, to all our listeners. Yeah, I hope everybody's well from wherever you're listening. Before we begin, we'd like to acknowledge that 3CR is being broadcast from the land of the Wurundjeri Woiwurrung people of the Kulin Nation, and we respectfully acknowledge the traditional owners, caretakers and custodians of this land. This land was stolen, it was taken by brute force, sovereignty was never ceded. We join in solidarity with First Nations people's struggle for justice. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. All right, so for our program today, just to give a bit of a rundown, um, we, we're going to start off with, um, after we go through some news stories, um, we're going to be hearing from a pre-recorded, um, we're going to be hearing from a pre-recorded interview that was done, um, for Green Left, um, which is basically about, um, the whole, um, what's the current kind of political situation that's kind of unfolding in Thailand, um, in relation to military coup linked parties back in government despite losing election. Now, and then we'll be speaking to David Martin, who is an ETU delegate at Enersis um, System. It's like an acronym that almost reads like Energy System <laughs> at the Thomas Town plant in Melbourne's northern suburbs, where workers there are now in the ninth week of a strike. Um, and then we'll be speaking, um, hearing from Mabu A. Morashani, who is a refugee from Iran, living in Australia, and part of the 1,200 um, captive souls, a, a group of asylum seeker and refugee activists who have organised a week-long protest outside Home Affairs Minister Claire O'Neill, electrics office in Oakley against the cruelty of the fast-track system. All right, so now um, let's go into some. Let's go a bit into some news stories to kind of start off. Uh, start off the discussion. Um, just one sort of amusing news story that's just happened <laughs> kind of today. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't. I don't have any oh, comments. Oh, what you're going to say? Uh, you're going to talk about um, Rupert. <laughs> so yeah, apparently Rupert Murdoch has stepped down as a chairman of Fox Corporation and News Corp. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not sure if anyone has seen um, the television series Secession, which is very much kind of <laughs> based on um, based on the on, on Rupert Murdoch and his sort of family. Um, but I kind of, um, just as someone who's a big fan of the show, it's sort of like <laughs> I kind of feel like. I feel like there's some real life sort of drama sort of going to be playing out as a consequence of this. Um, but yeah, I don't know what's going to, I don't, I don't really have any more comments on the story other than, yeah, you know, Rupert Murdoch is really rep- represents, you know, one of the more, you know, one of the more, you know, one of the big sort of major sort of capitalists, um, you know, the Murdoch media. In fact, you know, Free CR in a sense is 
we kind of, our program and Green Left is kind of like the anti-Murdoch in a lot of ways, um, whereas the Murdoch kind of press kind of thrives on kind of misinformation, promoting pro-corporate sort of um, views. You know, we're always there to sort of promote the kind of people kind of centred view to counter kind of the lies that are con- consistently coming out of the Murdoch kind of press. Yeah, I think his son is stepping in his place, so I'm not sure too much will, will change under son's leadership. Well, yeah, his um he ba- his um son Lachlan Murdoch is is probably the more conservative of of um of the the children of of the Murdoch sort of children, and um yeah, I, th- I think he's pretty much it's going to be pretty much business as usual. So there's not really much to say other as a story other than there, it was a bit of an amusing sort of headline to kind of read. Now, just a few things I want to sort of highlight from the pages of Green Left. We've been having some good sort of news features on. You know, on a number of cost of living kind of issues, um, and basically just giving a bit of report on some some uh, research that has been done. Now, the first one is about is that is is from an article titled "Cost of Living Report Recommends Re- Regulating Food and Energy Prices," and the conclusion of this report, um, which is for, which was reporting on Andrew Clare's Australia's new report. Um, this documented how people on low incomes often end up paying more for basic goods, and it basically suggested cutting the stage-free tax cuts and regulating food and energy prices. Um, the Poverty Premium Report released on September 12th points out how those who are already poor pay a price for being poor. It's called a poverty premium. Now, this report identified food, credit and finance, transport, data and communications, energy insurance as key areas where the already poor are being hit the hardest in a cost, in the cost of living crisis. You know, rents have risen on average by 11% this year and interest rates are set to double by 2024. And we're having a situation where food prices, prices are outpacing inflation. Now, for a lot of people, you know, a lot of, for a lot of marginalized people, this report kind of found that, you know, they often, those from lower income kind sort of backgrounds often prioritise housing costs, then bills and debt repayments and compromise on transport and food. While some people can cut back on uh, uh, dis, uh, discretionary sort of items, the report said for the lowest income household, there's never been room in the budget for these kind of luxuries. You know, more than 2 million households in Australia have run out of food in last year due to limited finances. A struggling 72% of res- Recipients on Centrelink payments regularly skipped meals, and food insecurity is even worse in um, in remote, rural, and remote areas where prices can go up to three times more than in cities. And you know, it found it found the report compared common items from Coles supermarkets, which um, found that prices for those who can't afford to bulk purchase rose by twenty to ninety five percent. You know, similarly. The, uh, the co- and when it comes to transport, a daily Mikey pass in Nam slash Melbourne costs $9.30 a day, while annual pass costs 1794 a daily saving of more than $2. Now, older cars use on average, um, an extra litre of petrol every 100 kilometres. The report noted that this adds on average 10% poverty premium on those who don't have a newer model. And similarly, the cost of energy... Um, internet and car and home insurance and mobile data are essentials that poorer people pay more for. But this is not why people are poor, the report notes. It points to the low rate of welfare payments, the mm-hmm. high cost of housing, insecure jo- um, jobs and stagnating wages as the key drivers. To remind listeners that the ALP government did ignore calls from its own expert committee a few months ago to lift to lift um, this, this seriously inadequate 
job seeker rate. I mean, that committee found that the unemployment benefit rates are at such a low level that they actually create a barrier to um, people finding paid work. So, um, yeah, they have been told to, to raise it and they just refuse to do it. And it would lift something like over a million or thousands of people out of poverty. Hmm. And also the report also recommended um, other recommendations. Like, for example, this is something that I think no none of the governments are actually talking about, like none of the political parties are really talking about, apart from the left-wing parties like um, the Greens and Socialist Alliance. Mm. Um, but one kind of one thing that you know can that governments can actually do in terms of addressing the whole cost of living is you know regulating actually telecommunications and energy costs and a national food security strategy um like it's it's actually quite remarkable like just on the whole telecommunications issue we we kind of live in a world right now where uh, essentially we have to use the internet <coughs> and um the amount that it actually costs so for example a mobile plan um with telstra can cost an onward of like forty dollars to fifty dollars a month um and then it can also cost on top of that it can cost up to sixty dollars to seventy dollars for to have internet at your home for a month so that's actually a huge kind of cost in a lot of ways and you know the fact that um the fact that 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 is not like considered like there's no special allowance to be able to get that for a, a discounted rate um if you're on on low income is I, I think quite outrageous in a lot of ways especially for those who are on centrelink payments like you know actually it's actually probably a reasonable demand to actually say that you know those who might get the low income healthcare card etc should actually get should actually be able to be provided with internet at a heavily discounted cost and there's also another another question is also raised around um, around the the cost of basically you know food, um, which is actually there should be there should be you know price controls on 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 essential goods, um, especially food, and you know they shouldn't be companies shouldn't just be allowed to just keep charging whatever they want in terms of in terms of those costs, um, just in in order to maximise their profits. Yeah, and this food food insecurity is so much worse in rural and remote areas. Um, I think you mentioned as part of the article that prices can be up to three times more than in the city. So that you know can affect a lot of First Nations um, communities and also um, a lot of migrant and refugee communities, uh, people as well who have you know who are living in those areas. Um, and yeah, they they have to they have to often deal with um, lower wages. They're often exploited um, because they're you know very much tied to their their visas, um, and they're very much under the control of their bosses. I mean, we all are, but it is worse for uh, a lot of uh, minorities and yeah, refugee and migrant communities. Okay, and now I just want to make, um, I just want to kind of highlight just one other news story um, that I won't, um, n- this is going to be something that I think we're going to have to follow up in for future news, um, for a future news story. Mm. Um, but it does look, it does look like in terms of kind of reports right now that um, Australia is actually going to face the risk of significant bushfires. Mm. Um, so I think we're, we're going in for quite a hot kind of summer. And um, yeah, we're not we're not kind of sure the extent by which um, it, what is going to sort of happen, but you know the, we are think we are getting into a warmer climate for this year, and yeah, we could actually see 
the 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 similar kind of bushfires that we experienced back in um back I think around 2019 to 2020 um again for this year so i think you know we have to we have to be um conscious about what's being happen what's um, following up what's happening there. and also i think at the end of the day we also have to keep you know raising the case around the need to take serious sort of climate action yeah definitely well we're going to uh, go to a quick break and you'll be back listening to green left Radio on 3CR shortly. Where does the profit your power company makes end up? If you join CoPower, you get to decide where 100% of our revenue goes. So while we work to dismantle the whole broken energy market, our members are building the world they want to live in by supporting strike funds, renewables projects, anti-poverty initiatives, and much more. So change your power company and then start changing everything else. That's what CoPower is all about. Victorian energy fact sheets and basic plan information documents are available at cooperativepower.org.au. For clear advice on the right plan for you, contact us on 03 9068 A 3CR supporter. You're back listening to Green Left Radio on 3CR. And we're just going to be playing a a pre-recorded interview by Green Left journalist Peter Boyle speaking to an activist with the Australian Alliance for Thai Democracy, Kanya Nat Kalfajianis, after the the full... Thai party broke its alliance with the Move Forward Party and joined the conservative pro-military coup parties to form government on October, sorry, not October, in August, uh, on August 22nd. Um, and also, Foy Thai's long-standing de facto leader, former PM Thaksin Sinawatra, returned from 15 years in political exile, was given a royal pardon for his controversial abuse of power and conflicts of interest um, conviction. So here is that interview now on Green Left Radio. It's now more than three months after the elections in Thailand and the Prime Minister has finally been uh, selected, Prime Minister Sreta Tavisin. Um, so as a, as a, one of the new generation democracy activists in Thailand, how do you feel about this outcome from the latest election? Uh, we are deeply disappointed of how it, it has become of, of the election result. We felt betrayed by uh, Pua Thai Party because one of uh, one of the campaign during the campaign they were trying to ensure us that they would not have any partnership or any association with the dictatorship or the military. Uh, military junta parties at all. But as it turned out, you see that they, uh, with the, they say that because of the situation forced them to leave the move forward party and to join hand in hand with the, uh, military junta parties. So for us, this is another time that democracy fell us. And because of the current constitution that were drafted by the military junta, that's why it has to be like this. There's no way out unless we'd won by the the largest margin that you could imagine, 350 seats out of uh, 500. That's almost impossible. Over the last three months, as all the the the... Uh, negotiations were happening between the different parties and there was a hope that Move Forward might still uh, pull together a governing coalition. Uh, 
there seemed to be some signs that there would be revival of uh, the, uh, the 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 street movement for democracy. But now the the with with the election of the new government, things seem to be quite uh, quiet. Can you explain this? The leaders, the majority, the, ma- the mainly most of the leaders, they were on condition on the bail condition that they could not participate or lead another protest. So right now they they're waiting for um 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 big figure from the movement, either the new one emerging or the previous student leaders. But as I say, most of them were on bail are on bail condition, so they're not allowed to lead the. The, the, the any movements at the moment, and the people then most of the people in Thailand they were tired, exhausted. They were waiting. They, they most people were waiting are waiting for the government, the the new one, to do something for uh, to move the country forward. Uh, ironically, even though the the, the the government is formed and the move forward party it's not part of it and uh, people should be angry, and people are angry. But there are also people that would like to give a chance because they still believe that the Thai Party, as in the past, they have uh, they they have uh, they, they 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 have the ability in the past, proven in the past, they could lead the country and improve the the economy. So that's what people were hoping for at the moment. They still have some trust in uh, the Puyatai party, even though that, that, that hope getting, it's wearing out right now. So and in the, in the period that uh, led up to finally, you know, um, the Senate, the appointed Senate agreeing with the, with the elected parliament as to the, who could be the new, form the new government. There was simultaneously a negotiation for the return of, of Putai's, uh, former prime minister, Thaksin Sinawatra back to Thailand. And how connected are these two processes? You know, is it all part of a, a single deal? Do you think that, you know, Thaksin would be allowed to come back and have his uh, prison sentence reduced in return for Putai, um, Making a deal with the pro-military forces. Well, Taksin couldn't let us believe otherwise. He already gave us hints months prior to the election that he would come and they would come back to Thailand. And, uh, he also gave hints as well that when he come back to Thailand, there will be condition for him that he doesn't have to stay in prison for long. So, um, it was, it has been his daughter, um, uh, Chinawat, who is, um, one of the leaders of the Puyatai party that she has been denying. She has been denying of, of the deal, but everything fell out. It's, it has proven itself that there must have been, there must have been a deal. I, I understand, as you say, many people perhaps are prepared to give Putai a chance. This Putai-led government a chance to see if they will deliver some sort of change. One of the challenges I understand will be that in one year's time, the appointed senators uh, 
or some of them are going to have to retire. And does this uh, present an opportunity to break the undemocratic rule whereby they can uh, use the appointed senators to block future governments? And has Putai leadership suggested that they are prepared to 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 work for uh, getting rid of this uh, undemocratic rigged system? First of all, we we don't know whether we can trust Putai again. So many many of many of the uh, many of them have said many of the leaders of Putai Party have said before that they would not partner with mm. uh Thai Party. And then later on, now Pumjai Thai Party is the major part of this cabinet, and those leaders, he would he he just came out and say, uh, it was just during the campaign, so we say whatever to get voters to vote us for us, and he did resign, but then he's still part of the cabinet. Hmm. So that that's Doctor Cholanan uh, Cholanansi Gale. He he's a part the current part, uh, leader of the Thai party, he did resign, as I say, but he still remained in the cabinet. So right now, the Pua Thai party, um, another time, again, yet again, they gave us words that they would try to get rid of the, uh, uh, they try to amend the constitution to have the elect, elected uh, senators, to have the election for the senators. But it's still, for me, it's still too soon, too soon to, to, to see, to, to, to even predict that they're going to keep their words. And even if they're going to keep their words, then we, as we, we can't be too naive to think that they would come up with some conditions. And since they're in partner, in partnership with the pro-military parties and the previous government, we can't hope for um, the, the outcome that would be in our favor. So let's move on to the question of uh, the 112 Les Majesty laws. Um, I mean, we have a reminder of how terrible this is recently with the, the, the 30-year-old woman who's uh, on hunger strike under charges, Waruni, I think her name is, and she has to be hospitalized. Um, now the you know this seemed to be the central issue why Putai said oh well you know um move forward couldn't be in the coalition it was because it had promised to reform these laws yeah it didn't it uh so is it very clear now that uh Putai is saying no we are not going to even touch these laws or are they still saying they are going to, you know, in the future, try and change these uh, laws? Um, we don't see it's coming from Thai or under Thai leadership. So um, if, it, if it does happen, if it does become um, a motion in, in a parliament, I believe that, as I say earlier, there would be conditions, with conditions, not... not, not uh, with honest, it's not going to be an honest move from Thai. It couldn't be uh, clearer that they have made the deal with the monarchy. That's now, what, how, because the what, monarchy, the monarchy, yeah, because yeah, Thaksin just received 
uh, Thaksin Shinawat just received royal pardon. Mm. So his, uh, his sentence reduced to just one year. So if uh, now Move Forward Party is going to be part of the opposition, um, do they have the, the, the power to initiate a bill to say reform uh, or reform 112, uh, you know, as a part of the opposition and then put it up there and see if, uh, how much support it gets? Is that a possibility? Yes, and they have given words that they would do so. But um, does I think uh, last month they tried to put a motion to amend the section 272, where uh, relating to the uh, senators, the uh, appointed senators, to amend this section alone, and the government, the Thai Party, and and the rest just voted it out saying that it's not important as of now. So um, we expect the response from the government and the rest of the, the parliament to be against the any attempt to amend Section 112. Not even not, not to abolish it, but just, just to amend it. That will be a, a, a response, a negative response from, from the government for sure. But... Um, to just the, the 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 move forward party did give words to they promise us that they going to try. In the past, it was clear between the red and the yellow or the democracy versus the uh, the royalist. But now that uh, Taksin, who was some sort of um, related to democracy leader, the leader from the democracy side. Bow down to the king, the monarch, and his followers. Many of them turn away from him and join the forward party, but some of them uh, still remain loyal to Taksin Shinawat, and they they provide excuses to him, uh, that explain why he has to do this, and now they even come up with the narrative that. The yellow shirt were saying, like, the change is not going to happen. You're just going to have to play along. You're just going to have to play by the rules. And now, now for me, it couldn't be clearer that we're fighting against new generation versus older generation. Because people my age, people in my, uh, the newer generations could not take this explanation. And, and for us, it's unreasonable. But I do understand that no one should, should have uh, been, shouldn't be forced to leave the country because of a, a political um, uh, legal proceedings. That's not fair for him. I do understand that, but that's a double standard. It's not fair for the rest of of the political uh, prisoners. They didn't get the same treatment. So what are we waiting, fighting for here? You were just listening to a an interview with. Activist Kanyanat Kalfagjianis uh, um, is an activist with the Australian Alliance for uh, Thai Democracy, and it was on the. She was talking about the struggle for democracy in Thai in Thailand, um, where there is a generational rift um, has split the movement for democracy right now. 
so we are going to go to a song um, before we go into some more news headlines. And just a bit of background to this song. It's called L-O-V-E, and it's by Skindred. And it's from the album Smile. And this little background was written by Matt Ward in his column in Green Left, 10 albums to make you raise your, f- your fist. And the singer Benji Webb, the lead vocalist and synthesizer player for the reggae metal band blasts such um, blasts oppression on his new album which was released in August uh, on and on black um, stars uh, web sings where where you think where you think me come from um, from a tree dragged on a slave ship me never come here for a tree before adding the real criminal um, he's is in Downing Street so that the album came a week after Greenpeace activists targeted um, you know, the criminal in Downing Street, British Prime Minister Rishi Sunak, by draping his mansion in black fabric to protest against his pledge to drill for more oil and gas. I hope you enjoy. You're listening to Green Left Radio on 3CR. Now come with skin dread for a little while. Come with us and leave the troubles behind. And hopefully they won't be there when you
And that was Love, L-O-V-E by Skindred. And you're back listening to Green Left Radio on 3CR. And we're just going to be, Jacob and I are, like, are going to be covering some news from the pages of Green Left. So just you know, give a bit of a rundown on what's been going on during the week. And I guess we'll first talk about the upfill line. So for anyone who, out there who lives on the upfill line or who has to travel on the upfill line, we'll know all about the massive delays. So there's a, a narrowing of the track along the line that causes, you, you, you know, you might find yourself waiting 40 minutes sometimes for a train. Um, there's lots of cancellations and overcrowdings, and that is because of, of the the, um, the the single track that's north of Faulkner. So there was an um, activist organized a snap action at Gowrie Station on September 19th to push for the duplication of the upfill line. Um, and passengers have been calling for this for quite a while. Um, when trains are cancelled north of the tram line, um, which terminates in North Coburg, there is no direct line to the city. And, you know, this is not some, you know, we're not complaining about a minor issue here. It when you have to wait that long for a train or you can't get on because of crowding or whatever, it's, it can have um, massive impacts on your life. Um, you know, people who have to get home to relieve a babysitter, people who have young children, people who are running late for a job or an interview, um, you know, it, it's, uh, it can be very distressing and it doesn't have to be this way. Um, there was a, a retired train driver and member of the rail um, and tram and bus industry union Peter uh, Murray, who said that it's not an engineering obstacle. There is sufficient room to duplicate the track. It's just a lack of political will. And Sue Bolton, Marybeth councillor, said that the Andrews government had no definite plans to duplicate the track. She noted the disparity in services on the upfield line across class lines, uh, adding that we need to unite everyone up and down the line because politicians are just not interested in the people in the north. So these poor services, you know, do, like, like I said, impact the lives of, of, um, of the users. Um, you know, people have lost jobs because of train cancellations. You know, you can miss medical appointments, exams, all sorts of things. So, yeah, we need to keep campaigning and... Um, behind this and you can support the campaign to duplicate the upfill line there's a facebook page and a website as well and this action was called in um as part of the transport um sorry the transport equity week which is still going by the way and and transport equity week is being organized by friends of the earth and um, melbourne sustainable cities collective so you know well done to them for um yeah, on a really great week. Um, Jacob, over to you. Did you have anything to report from Green Left? Um, well, just uh, just to start, we're just talking about the um, the um, um, Transport Equity Week. Um, mm. Just to let um, people know that we actually had quite a successful accessible trams rally on um, on on in Brunswick last Saturday, yeah. um, which actually got got around around over a hundred people. Now, just to sort of give a bit of background on the issue for listeners, um, this rally has been called by people with disabilities because currently the upfield line is going to be out of commission for over eighteen months. Um, 
um, that will be happening next year, and it's and it's going to be for the level crossing removals. Now, when that happens, um, people with disabilities won't have access necessarily have access to public transport, um, although they will sort of be given you know some form of compensation, i.e., um, access to free taxis in the meantime, which is actually not necessarily adequate in a lot of ways. That which is why um, people with, disab- with disabilities and activists have um, mobilising around making around making Sydney Road in Brunswick to all the way to Coburg, um, accessible, um, and with the implementation of accessible tram stops, because currently they do not have accessible tram stops. And so, yeah, this um, this protest is um, was a very successful mobilisation, especially in the context of the fact that it happened around the same time as a big, uh, massive yes rally that happened over the over the weekend. Um, so I think that was um, that was really good. And um, but yeah, I'll now go into some of the other this other news story I wanted to talk about. But this is. This is going to be a big story, actually, and in fact, um, we'll have to stay tuned, stay tuned for FreeCR and other FreeCR programs for more news on this. But the Andrews government has actually made a massive announcement in terms of their plans to kind of ease the housing crisis. Now, it is this. This is something we're going to have to unpack a bit politically because there is actually, you know, on the face of it, it seems like this. These would all be kind of progressive sort of measures, um, but I think there is uh, there is actually a lot of mixed views on whether these changes will do enough uh, to address the housing crisis. And in fact, there's one element of the announcement which I already sort of have a bit of a position on that I think is actually quite disastrous in a lot of ways. Now, just to give a bit of a summary of the of the statement, basically, I mean, it's over 40 pages, um, but. It essentially reveals that the government has plans to speed up development approval times, rebuild the state's ageing social housing towers and unlock land in established suburbs in an effort to build 800,000 new homes over the next decade. Now, there is a, so a key component of the housing statement um, is there will be a 7.5% levy on short-stay accommodation platforms such as Airbnb and stays, which is expected to raise about... Um, 70 million um, annually to fund social and affordable housing when it comes to effect in 2025. Now, this has, of course, gotten the usual response from the um, from the um, from the industry, um, which is basically it's going to be this is going to be kind of disastrous, etc. Um, you know, but possibly one criticism that has been made from a left wing sort of perspective or a more progressive perspective is, and this is probably one of the concerns I already sort of have from the onset is, um, it's probably just gonna, it's probably just gonna, this is more like a band aid solution, the levy, because really this levy will probably just end up being passed on to the people who are, um, to the consumers who are booking Airbnb uh, accommodation. It doesn't actually deal necessarily with the systematic problem of, um, of Airbnb, of Airbnbs, um, like for the fact in in particular rural communities, etc. Um, Airbnbs is actually driving up the price of rents, etc. So there actually needs to be more significant controls on Airbnb, including the potential of banning um, Airbnb um, accommodation. So I think you know having just a levy will just probably mean that oh prices will just increase for consumers, and so that means that probably. People who are of lower income uh, probably won't book as many holidays, but the rich and people who have a lot of income will will, will be able to afford the cost. So it's sort of like it's a bit of a it's a bit of an interesting thing. And the Greens have actually proposed that um, they want to cap um, Airbnb stays at ninety days, um, which is actually um, which is actually I think would actually be something that's actually worth um, supporting in a lot of ways. 
Now, the big sort of announcement is basically a massive redevelopment of Melbourne's 44 high-rise public housing towers. Mm. Now, this is this is this is uh, very concerning in a lot yeah. of ways, given the state government sort of track record on this. So. Basically, there is going to be a concern that um, this redevelopment will actually will be in privatisation by self because a lot of these renewal programs that the government has implemented, which we've covered quite intensively in our previous free CR programs, you know, they generally actually they actually change they it's actually an example of privatization itself because they basically renew the public housing estates, um, just like Barrack Beacon, for example, and they put a mix of community housing and public housing, but the number of public housing dwellings actually actually lower. Um, so this is um, this is this is very problematic in a lot of ways. And also the other problem is a lot of um, governments have opted for a social mix approach, which i.e. they go for public, community, and then private housing in the mix of it. So actually, there's no there's no sort of real commitment to massively expanding public housing. And also, there's also the um, the question of what kind of stress is this going to cause on the existing public housing um, residents who already live there? So basically, they're going to be the ha- the houses are going to be demolished, they're going to be rebuilt. So where are those people who are already kind of living there are uh, going to stay? Um, forcibly re- relocating ten thousand residents. That's um, there's a lot of harm that comes from breaking up communities. Um, in the midst of a, especially in the midst of a cost of living crisis, they're just thrown into a future that's uncertain. It's, it has impacts on their health, um, you know, their social connections. It's, um, yeah, it is very concerning. The, the displacement of low income communities, it does actually cause, um, cause harm and, and even death. So there's a lot of loss of public housing and, you know, the government should not be tearing down public housing in the middle of a housing crisis. Public housing, building more public housing, more um, safer and efficient, better public housing is going to actually help everybody. It's in, it's in everyone's interest, not just low-income people. It's the only way that people on low incomes can actually afford a house. So, um, yeah, this is really bad news. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, any, did you have anything else to kind of add to this new story, Jacob? I think we could should probably play our next quick announcement and then we might go on, we'll go on to our first live interview for the program. You're listening to Green Left Radio on 3CR. We jail black males in Australia nationally at a rate five times greater than apartheid South Africa jailed black males in 1993. The suicide and self-harm rates are the highest in the world and the life expectancy gap is the biggest in the first world. You know, Australians don't like hearing the truth about how bad things are, but the more we resolve from it, the longer this is going to continue. Black fella, white fella, it doesn't matter what you colour. Mainstream media is not interested in this stuff. It doesn't find space to talk truthfully and deeply about issues that affect all Australians. The only place predominantly you will find that with any real depth is on community radio, and 3CR has been one of the great leaders in that. So if people are wondering where they should spend their hard-earned cash, I would suggest 3CR is a bloody good place to start. What your name is, we've got the hell. Lots of changes, we need more brothers. 
Australia's energy market is broken. Right, but Co-Power gives you better energy? Nope, no retailer can control where the electrons they buy off the grid come from. But as a Co-Power member, you can vote on where 100% of revenue goes. So instead of corporate profit, your energy bill builds the world you want to be a part of. That's cool. Learn more about the solidarity economy and Co-Power today and take the power back. Victorian energy fact sheets and basic plan information documents are available at cooperativepower.org.au. For clear advice on the right plan for you, contact us on 03 9068 6036. A 3CR supporter. Okay, you're back listening to Green Left Radio on 3CR. And we are now joined by David Martin, who is a ETU delegate at Enesis at the Thomastown plant in Melbourne's northern suburbs. Um, so the workers are now in their ninth uh, week of the strike. And so David joins us to talk about the industrial Action. Welcome to the show, David. Good morning. How are you doing? Well, well thank you. Um, so, before um, we yeah, get into stuck into this interview, would you be able to just give us a bit of a background to the dispute, including how you actually ended up on strike? Okay, so we're in the process of doing our uh, EBA or Enterprise Bargaining Agreement. Um, the company never really negotiated most of the time. They were pretty one-sided. Um, we voted down their agreement twice, um, and they then we, we put in for work bans so that we weren't going to do paperwork and, and other little things like that to try and get them back to the table. Um, the day before the bans were supposed to come into place, they hit us with a notice. Um, they actually called us at 6 o'clock at night at home, you know, when you're around the table with your family, um, saying that if we do any strike action, like don't do paperwork, that they won't pay us a cent at all. Um, So the next morning we we gathered up before work and we voted to walk off the job that day and we've been out the front ever since waiting for their response, which they're just giving us nothing at the moment. It's uh, radio silence from them. Um, could you, t- um, ha- um, hello David, this is, um, Jacob here, the other uh, co-presenter. Um, the next question I wanted to sort of ask is, um, could you tell us a bit about the reaction of the workers to the comments by the HR manager who said that let's see who starves first after workers had slogged it out during COVID while the bosses worked from home and with inflation running at around 7%? Yeah, um, it's pretty much just shows what they think of you. Um, well, to be honest, I, I thought that, you know, the guys weren't up for a fight and uh, comments like that just, just made my job all that much easier to galvanise the guys and and uh, get them ready for a fight because yeah, no one wants to be talked to like that. It just shows a bit of elitism. Yeah, what a what a horrible comment, but, yeah, very um, does expose, uh, yeah, how the, how the bosses feel. Uh, David, what? Why do you think the company is being so belligerent to the workers when their profits are increasing? Um, I could only speculate that, uh, as far as I know, we're the only. Enesis has places all around the world, and there's about five sites in Australia. Um, we're the only unionised work group, so I think they're scared of the domino effect. That if you know, if we win this fight, that could inspire others to. Uh, to stand up, so I think it's it's a bit ideological. And um, what do you think about the kind of anti-union laws that has um, stopped you from blocking the the factory gate? Yeah, well, it kind of takes all your. It's like fighting with one arm behind your back, isn't it? There's not a lot we can do apart from 
be out the front and uh, be noisy and wave the flags and shake the signs. So uh, they know we're here. We blast them with music from 7 o'clock in the morning. So, yeah, it's pretty It's pretty tough. That, yeah, if, if we block the gates, apparently there's million-dollar fines on offer. So we can't, no, no one can afford that, you know. Yeah, it's... um. Yeah, it is. It is pretty scary. Those anti-union laws, and we're we're glad that um, you know you're not intimidated and that you are um, you know holding this staunch action. But uh, David, how can people show their support for for the workers? Yep. Well, there's a couple of ways they could they could stop by and say good day um, at 309 Settlement Road, Thomastown. Alternatively, they could if want to direct people to the ETU Victoria web uh, Facebook page. And there's some stuff about us there, and we've actually got a, uh, a fighting fund set up. Um, if people want to donate to help support the guys, um, and also there's a, a an email campaign we're launching to email Jay Rackavert, who's the big boss in Australia. Just if we could ask everyone to email him nicely, of course, and just say negotiate, don't dictate, which is the uh, a bit of our slogan for this for this strike. Yeah, thanks, thanks, David. And if people do want to donate and help um, donate to the strike fund, the account name is ETU Dispute Account, BSB 063626, and the account number is 10629111. And we'll, we'll, put, we'll add those details um, when we podcast this show. But, um, is, was there anything else you'd like to say before we wrap up, David? Um. No, just, just for everyone to... Every, everyone could be in this position one time in their life. So, um, yeah, just, you know, watch this space and uh, hopefully we win this and it might inspire others to stand up when it's needed. Yeah, here, here. Thank, thank you so much and solidarity to you and, and all the workers during this time. Well, um, yeah, thanks, thanks, David. Have a good morning. You too. Thank you. And you were just listening to David... Martin, uh, who's an ETU delegate at Enesis, that they're um, currently striking. So, yeah, we encourage people to get down to the picket line. They're striking from Monday to Friday, 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. So you can visit them on 309 Settlement Road, corner of Dalton Road in Thomastown. We'll be back after a short break. Vibe Union is bringing exciting, ongoing showcases of local talent across Melbourne. This creative collective provides a supportive platform to upcoming artists, hosting poetry open mic nights, intimate singer-songwriter evenings, and hip-hop showcases. Head along to one of their events for a welcoming night of creativity, or see how you can get involved at vibeunion.com.au. Vibe Union is a 3CR supporter. Ross House has community meeting rooms available for hire at subsidised rates. Perfect for small meetings, student study groups, Zoom conferencing and seminars. Facilities include free Wi-Fi, display screens for presentations, projector and sound system and a Zoom conferencing system. HEPA filter units have been placed in every meeting room. 
you can book and pay via their website, rosshouse.org.au, or contact reception during office hours on 9650-1599. Ross House is a 3CR supporter. You're listening to Green Left Radio on 3CR, and we're going to go to a song. It's called Scatterlings by... Johnny Clegg, and Johnny Clegg was a white South African, and um, he played with, it's a, it's a song by him in a band called Savuka, and Savuka's music is blended with this traditional Zulu musical influences with Celtic music and rock music, but Johnny Clegg sadly died back in 2019, where he fought against the apartheid in South Africa, he sang with black musicians, and that meant getting arrested with them for trespassing on government property and for contravening the Group Areas Act. Um, under the Group Areas Act, the cities and towns of South Africa were divided into they were segregated um, residential and business areas, and thousands of people of color, you know, black people. Um, Indians were removed from areas classified for white occupation, and Johnny Clegg was first arrested at the age of 15 for violating apartheid-era laws in South Africa, banning people of different races from congregating together, um, particularly after curfew hours. So here is his song, his 1987 song, Scatterlings of Africa. It's one of my dad's favourite tunes by Johnny Clegg and Savuka. Enjoy listening here on 3CR Green Left Radio.
You're listening to Green Left Radio on 3CR, and you were just listening to a song by Johnny Clegg and Savuka called Scatterlings of Africa. And we're just going to go to a quick news story. Yeah. yeah, so I was just going to give a bit of a quick kind of news story, but this is just another um, following on from actually... Um, we gave a bit of a report on what's sort of happening in terms of Victoria, in terms of housing, with the kind of major sort of housing announcement. Now, going on New South Wales, um, New South Wales actually Labor has just kind of unveiled their sort of their sort of first sort of state sort of budget, um, but it has been very much criticised by housing activists who are. Being org- who are getting organised within New South Wales, and Green Left has um, reported on this, which is basically housing activists have criticised the first Labor budget for failing to act on housing shortages, which are affecting thousands of people across New South Wales. And one of the cases that's been given is that you know, Labor is expected is expecting an additional nine point five billion into the Treasurer's coffers from stamp duty fee transfer fees, but the amount it is offering to fix the housing crisis is minimum. And Action for Public Housing said that you know it delivers little for sixteen and two hundred thousand people experiencing homelessness, the five. 56,000 desperate people on the public housing waiting list, although or people are suffering from a shortage of 200 and uh, um, 200 and 201 and 500 public homes, and um, you know Shre- the treasurer, um, the New South Wales Labor treasurer said that on September 19th, um, the government's priorities are housing, essential services, and boosting public sector workers' pay. But you know at the same time, there's very there's very much little that's kind of been allocated, and of course, it's actually allocating more than three hundred million dollars to a state-owned developer, Landcom, to deliver just four four um um four thousand six hundred ninety-seven new homes, including a thousand four hundred and nine affordable homes. Um, so I think you know there's there's a lot that I mean that is kind of being criticised in this New South Wales budget, and you can actually read more about this in the pages of Green Left from the article Housing Activists Say New South Wales Labor's Budget Fails Test. But I thought I'd just give a bit of a, a, a short summary of what's happening there. Yeah, thanks, Jacob. Um, I think it's now time for the activist calendar. Um, we'll just play a quick announcement before we go into that. Three CR is about community, and we welcome your participation at the station. Three CR is open to a wide diversity of volunteers, and is a great way to connect with Melbourne's activist community. Have you ever thought about volunteering, doing a reception shift, getting a program on air, training in radio skills, or contributing to one of the station's committees? There are many ways to be involved at Three CR. To find out more, go to three cr.org.au and get in touch. You're back listening to 3CR, and you're here with Green Left Radio Show. And it's now time for the activist calendar. So tomorrow, September 23rd, there is going to be a protest to drive the Nazis out of sunshine. It's happening at 2 p.m. at IGA at 10 Talentire Road, Sunshine West. And there's a Facebook page that you can look up. There's also going to be a rally, stop dumping of Fukushima's radioactive water. That's going to be at 6 p.m. and it's going to be held at Federation Square in the city. And you're going to be speaking at that one, aren't you, Jacob? Oh, yes, yeah. So we'll be speaking at that rally. 
Tuesday, 20, uh, the 26th of September, there's going to be a forum, Albanese's Labour, Sacrificing Principles for Power. That's going to be at 6.30 p.m., meal from 6 p.m. It's going to be at the Resistance Centre at level 5407 Swanson Street in the city. And I'm going to be speaking at that, as well as Zane Alcorn, who's another presenter on the show. Wednesday, September 27th to Friday, September 29th, there's going to be a show, Noise, um, noise, and it's going to be at the La Mama Courthouse at 349 Drummond Street in Carlton. Thursday, September 28th, there's going to be a film screening and forum on abortion in Victoria, past, present and future. 6.30, Cinema 2, the keynote cinema 45 Collins Street in the city on Friday 29th of September there's going to be a concert uh, a gig last Quokka Red Dirt album tour it starts at 8pm and it's at the last chance rock and roll bar at 238 Victoria Street in the city on Tuesday October the 3rd there's going to be a protest with WikiLeaks 17th birthday champagne and barbecue at 12 o'clock um, noon. Um, it's going to be at the ABC, ABC TV 120 South Bank Boulevard in South Bank. There's also going to be a film screening that day called Complicit. It's going to be at 6 p.m. at the CFMU um, at four, uh, 540 Elizabeth Street in the city. And also a book launch on Tuesday, October 3rd. David Marr, Killing for Country, 6.30pm at Cinema Nova, 380 Ligon Street in Carlton. Um, should I keep going? Yeah, just keep yeah. going, yep. So from Thursday, October, uh, from Thursday, October the 5th, there's going to be a film screening called Shida, or Shida. It's going to be at Cinema Nova, 380 Ligon Street, Carlton. Thursday, October the 5th, there's going to be a film screening called Beyond the Walls at 5.30, uh, 6 p.m. start at the New International Bookshop at Trades Hall, 54 Victoria Street in Carlton. And Friday, October 6th, there's going to be a forum called Melissa Lukashenko, Torching the Colonial Myth. It's going to be at 6 p.m. Wheeler Centre, 176 Little Lonsdale Street in the city. Sunday, October 8th, there's going to be a rally and the cruelty permanent visas for all now. It's going to be at 2 p.m. at the State Library, Swanson Street in the city. Wednesday, October the 11th, there's going to be a protest, uh, another protest, um, bring refugees from PNG to Australia. That's going to be at 11 a.m. at the Langham Hotel, number one, Southgate Avenue in Southbank. Thursday, the 26th of October to Sunday, the 29th of October, we've got the Palestinian Film Festival and there's a link to the information and booking um, on the Green Left calendar. And if you haven't sub- sub- um, subscribed to the Green Left car- calendar, it's free. Um, you get all these events sent to your inbox every two weeks. So we're going to go to a quick break, but stay tuned because... We have coming up on the show Mabube Mashahi, sorry, and she's a refugee from Iran. 
um, and she's going to be talking about uh, the, these protest week-long sit-ins that she's, she and others have been holding outside of Home Affairs Minister Claire O'Neill. So stay tuned for that. You're listening to Green Left Radio on 3CR. Common Social Change Library is an online collection of educational resources for those campaigning for social change. It collects, curates and distributes the key lessons and resources of progressive movements around Australia and across the globe. The library includes over 500 resources covering campaign strategy, community organising, activist history, digital campaigning, diversity and inclusion and much, much more. It's free to access the library, so check out the collection at www.commonslibrary.org. Common Social Change Library is a 3CR supporter. You're back listening to Green Left Radio on 3CR, and we're just going to go to a song by Rot Menace, Royal Permission. You're back listening to Green Left Radio on 3CR. You were just listening to Royal Permission by Rot Menace. And now we are joined by Mabube Mershahi. She's a refugee from 
uh, the 12,000 Captive Souls, which is a group of asylum seeker and refugee activists who have been organising week-long protests outside Home Affairs Minister Claire O'Neill's electorate of- office in Oakley against the cruelty of the fast-track system. Welcome to the show, Mabube. Good morning. Thank you for giving the chance that I can tell you about our protests and explain about our issues. Yeah, um, it's it's our pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, Mabubi, can you please first tell our listeners about these protests that you've organised? Like, how long have you been protesting for? And, um, yeah, just give us a bit of a, a background to them. Yeah, actually, uh, this sit-down strike is all, um, against the government's neglect of a big group of asylum seekers who is living in Australia more than a decade in limbo without any visa. And this sit-down strike was planned from Monday 18th of the September till today, 22nd of the September, 8 o'clock in the morning until 5 p.m., five days in a row, and at the front of the colonial office. And, uh, yeah, among of us, uh, kids, women, men, from mainly Iran, Afghanistan, Iraq, and Sri Lanka. Hey, um, and this is um, Jacob, who is the co-presenter. And I guess the next question I want to ask is, um, can you tell us about the injustice of this of this fast-track system and how is it impacting on you and other people? Like, and specifically, how does it impact on children? Yeah, actually, fast-track policy was approved with the previous government by Scott Morrison, that means when asylum seekers rejected by first interview, they could no longer defend themselves in person in the next stage. An organization called IAA, that means Immigration Assessment Authority, reviewed the cases during six weeks, completely unfair, completely injustice, without any actual people. And when the Albanese government, um, during the election, they completely acknowledged about the uh, so-called fast-track refugee system does not provide a fair and robust assessment process. And that's why they promise us and assure us they uh, transfer all cases and ask to review with the independent tribunal. But And they assured all asylum seekers that no refugee left behind. But they didn't give us any certain plan. And now we feel completely ignored after election. Yeah. And, you know, it's completely impactful in kids, women, girls, men, because without any visa, we can't, some of, some of kids, not any Medicare, doesn't have any Medicare. Some of people not allowed to work, some of yes. And we believe most of the people working and paying tax more than decay, but we still cannot go, for example, to the overseas to um, hug our parents, to visit our parents. And we can't invite our parents inside of Australia. And we can't get the loan. We can't get the credit. We can't, you know, it's completely living in limbo. And lots of people even struggle for enrollment of the kids in the school because we don't have any visa. And, you know, it's the main suffering kids 
is the uncertain plan, uncertain time. It's more than decades, you know, 11 years, 10 years. It's just a digit for people, but every moment is just our life. It's passed without any visa, and we're suffering for that. And you can't imagine during all protests how emotional things happen with the kids instead of enjoying the life in peace, instead of uh, enjoying during the school holidays. Stay with the parents, hold the placards about enough is enough, about we living in limbo, you know? Yeah, it is heartbreaking to hear this just unnecessary suffering and uncertainty, especially on on children. Um, I mean, it's amazing that the, these strikes, um, sorry, these protests are happening for such a long time between 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. And yeah, it is um, it is heartbreaking to hear that you know, like their school holidays, they're kind of using them to raise awareness, but. You know, we're all um, we're all with you, um, my boobie. I mean, it is this fast track system. It is about punishing people who came here by boat, really, because you know the former coalition government established this to process thousands of asylum seekers who actually arrived by boat between 2012 and uh, 2014. Um, and just wanted you to sort of comment on Labor's promise to end the cruel practice of imposing these temporary protection visas onto people, um, you know, found to meet the definition of, you know, refugee. It could have done this very easily. The government could have just with a stroke of a pen immediately after it was elected, um, but it didn't. So, you know, what what can you tell us about the Albanese gov- government on this issue? Yeah, actually, we believe that Albanese's government completely forget us after election. You can imagine how much hope came back to all asylum seekers when Albanese's government announced no refugee left behind, you know. And they did not give us the certain plan about how to solve our problem. Our cases stuck in the court or immigration with the uncertain time. And, you know, this unlimited time killing us, that means we are living in limbo without any visa. That means we live in limbo and we live without a visa with unlimited time. And that means we are people. You know, it, the finish this situation is like a nightmare for us, especially for Iranians. And, you know, I think, I believe lots of, uh, all, all the world heard about the Iran situation. And especially all MPs, all um, governments just say about we stand up with Iranian people, Iranian girls, Iranian women, but close their eyes for us, for us in Australia, living in Australia. And I constantly ask to Andrew Giles and government, please have a look at us without any visa, all girls, women, men and kids living without visa and it's completely suffering us. You know, if they any, uh, give them any chance to asylum seeker for working for give, by giving the permanency, they completely can contribute with the Australian community and build up the Australia. You know, lots of the engineers, builders, doctors, nurses, uh, 
among us. And, uh, you know, I am a nurse. I am a nurse. And I stood out with Australia during the pandemic situation. And I expect Australia to stand with me, you know. And, yeah, uh, it, it, it's really, you, you can't imagine what was happened during these five days. I was crying when I see the kids in the middle of the street and talk loudly, please give us in, uh, in Australia by safe. We need to feel safe. We need to feel welcoming from behind of the Australia, you know? Um, the next question I want to, how can people help build the refugee movement and show solidarity? Um, and I guess what are some of the things that we can do? Maybe you can also tell us a bit about how we can support the group um, 12,000 Captive Souls. And, of course, when is the next protest? Yeah. Um, as I said, indeed, our kids are real victim of the fast-track policy. And they are very innocent. And um, I believe if uh, the people acknowledge about the asylum seeker situation and how the suffering these days we, uh, under, we are under pressure, I like all people just send the email to suburbs MP to analogize about the stop uh, and giving the chance for asylum seekers by giving permanency, you know, and uh, just support us. We don't need any centering benefits. We're all educated. We're all working. We're all paying tax. And we can very, uh, you know, we, and, and that's why we need the support of people. Lots of people uh, didn't heard about about some uh, kids born in Australia, but still without any visa, without any Medicare. And when we try to uh, talk to them during these five days, they shocking uh, and say, "Oh my goodness, it, it's impossible, impossible." And we said, yes, it's, it's like a nightmare. And, you know, giving the permanency, it's really like a miracle for us. You know, and I would like to say everybody, if the government give us the permanency, it's too late and very slow with unlimited time until we can't visit our parents. We can't hug our parents in more than decades. We don't need any visa anymore, you know. Yeah. Every every people suffering of this position, the kids, you know, when we came in Australia, my eldest one, my daughter was six years old. Now she is 16. And she's completely under the anxiety and depression because she doesn't have any imagine for future about the, about the university. All her classmates talk about the plans for university, but she can't. And that's why she always absent of the high school and say, Mommy, what's the point of going to high school? Because we can't go to university. And some of the young girls, young kids, without any visa, without any Medicare, just confused about that. We are Australian? We are Iranian? What, what happened? 
you know. And that's why I would like to people support on and ask the government to MPs, suburb MPs, and send the email to stop and finish this cruel policy and cautious urgently about us. Yeah, we can hear the emotion in your voice, Mabube. I, I know you've been, um, you know, doing these protests all week long, and it must be very exhausting. And you know, we know one of the biggest, um, well, one of the cruelest things about these temporary visas is there's no right to family reunion. So families have been kept apart for years and years. But we are seeing more and more refugees organizing themselves, organizing protests against the inhumane treatment. I mean, you escaped repression in Iran, Mabube, and now you're fighting for equal rights for all and solidarity to you and all the protesters, including the children, and also the hunger striker, um, the courageous 60-year-old Iranian asylum seeker, Mr. Syed. You were telling me about him yesterday that he fainted. Um, so we are thinking of you and... You, if we're about to wrap up the interview, so is there anything else you would like to let listeners know? Yeah, actually, as you said, uh, one of our guys, under the loss of pressure, under completely disappointed of this situation, his name is Said Razi, 60 years old man. He, under the hunger strike from Sunday morning until now, and he was fainted yesterday, and now he was in the Monash Hospital. And uh, you can't imagine what's happening yesterday. Emotional things. Lots of people around him were crying. And we believe we not deserve for this situation. We not deserve it. That's all. And ask the government, please urgently review our process and give us the permanency. Yesterday, there, there was a conference with Andrew Joyce and lots of the people uh, and organization of refugees supporting, but still nobody talked about asylum seekers left behind. Nobody about what the planning for cancel of the IAA or cancel of the fast-track policy and urgently process our cases. Nobody talked about that until we say something during the conference. And then, you know, they try to explain just, just basic things, no plan, no decision, and no express empathy even, you know. And hopefully one day is finish our this nightmare for all families as asylum seekers. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us, Mabube. We know um, how difficult it has been for you and lots of other refugees and asylum seekers, and we hope Mr. Syed recovers and that you win these demands. Um, and we encourage any anyone listening to support these protests led by refugees to join them outside of 17 to 19 Atherton Road, Oakley, outside Home Affair Minister Claire O'Neill's electric office in Oakley. Thanks once again, Mabube, for joining us. Thank you so much for listening to me. Thank you. Thanks. And for listeners who just tuned in, you were just listening to Mabube 
Mershaiv from 12,000 captive souls. Um, they're a group of asylum seeking refugee activists that have organized a week long protest. And, um, you know, there are 12,000 refugees who have been ignored or rejected by the Immigration Assessment Authority, the A. Um, the IAA she was talking about. A lot of these people have been asking Australia for protection and a chance to rebuild their lives. Some have been waiting for over 10, 11 years. They've waited too long, so get behind the campaign to abolish the temporary visa system along with the cruel fast track system. We'll be back on Green Left Radio 3CR. We've got a common enemy. The same government that locks up these refugees just behind us here at the Park Hotel is the same government that's going for our rights, trying to attack the very limited gains that casuals have. And so when union activists take up the cause of refugees amongst their fellow workers, it's not an act of charity. It's about building workers' united self defence mechanism, understanding that we're all part of the same battle. You're listening to Radical Radio on 3CR, 855 on your AM dial, 3CR digital, and podcasting and streaming on 3cr.org.au. Okay, you're listening to Green Left Radio on FreeCR 855 AM. And we are getting to the end of our program, but I'd like to just make a bit of a plug for supporting Green Left. So Green Left is actually currently going through a supportership drive right now, um, with the kind of theme of, um, what was the theme again? Do you know the theme? Oh yeah, it is, um, You need green left and green left needs you. Yeah. So I think one of the things to just to make a bit of a plug for green left is, you know, green left is very much provides the kind of alternative kind of source of the kind of left wing and people centered analysis that, you know, the world kind of needs in terms of the struggle against capitalism. And I guess we hear from green left always sort of highlights and amplifies the voices of those who are struggling against the injustices of the capitalist system. You know, whether it's, we just heard from a, a refugee who's currently um, in a struggle against the, the inhumane refugee policy. Um, we just heard directly from workers um, fighting a strike. Those are the kind of voices that green left wants to kind of highlight in the struggle for a better world. And I think, you know, I really just want to make the case that, you know, If you, if you support the work that we do, um, to become a supporter of Green Left, it's only, you can become a supporter by going on greenleft.org.au forward slash support. Um, and also, we'll just also make the plug for FreeCR as well, which, mm. um, is hosting the, um, which we're broadcasting to you from, um, for, for the Green Left Radio. And yeah, FreeCR also provides a, is also an important platform for that of the marginalized and the oppressed. And yeah, you can also become a subscriber to FreeCR by going on the FreeCR website at freecr.org.au. Yeah, thanks, Jacob. The supporter campaign officially ends this Sunday, but you can become a subscriber anytime and, You know, like you were saying, where most of our media is controlled by the Murdochs of the world, having this independent media that is free of corporate funding that's entirely powered by people, it's just so important and vital in the class struggle. Um, you know, Green Left, um, 3CR, we champion the voices of the oppressed. 
We talk about climate. We support climate justice, First Nations justice. We fight back against gender oppression and racism. And it's a very anti-capitalist, anti-imperialist, anti-war media project. So get involved. If you can't afford the $5 per month, that's very understandable because, you know, $5 for some people is a lot of money right now. Um, but you can always get involved in some of the campaigns that we're, that we are involved in. Um, it's not just a tangible paper either, so you can check us out on other platforms like YouTube, TikTok. We also run a weekly podcast with Green Left journalist Isaac Nellis in Sydney, and it's also available on the Green Left website and also Podbean and other podcast platforms. So, yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks to all our listeners for tuning in, our guests on the show, and stay tuned for the next show, Left After Breakfast. This brings us to the end of the show. You have been listening to Friday Morning Breakfast with Green Left Radio, brought to you by Green Left Weekly Newspaper, which brings an alternative source of information that puts people and planet before profit. If you like our work, become a supporter from $5 per month at greenleft.org.au slash support or free call 1-800-634-206. Arise, you workers from the slumbers. Arise, you prisoners of want. For reason in revolt now thunders and at last since the age of Kant. Away with all your superstitions, serve all masses, arise. We'll change henceforth the old tradition and spurn the dust to win the prize. That's right, the commies are back. Reds underneath your beds and that crap.